Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And happy Halloween to everyone for this special spooky Halloween special. An amazing episode here today. You know, Halloween's on a Tuesday this year, so not that exciting. All the big parties and events and such went down on the weekend before which is always fun as always, but nonetheless, we are here, we are back, been a while since we uh, last dropped an episode, I think it was last Wednesday we did, joined by always, my f- uh, one of my favorite guests, of course, Dane DuPaul, very fun episode with him, talking about all sorts of stuff from the NFL to movies to bands, I mean, always enjoy having Dane on, but a lot has happened in those, what, five days, since six days since we last chatted and we're going to be going over all sorts of information on this episode. We're going to be recapping the giant boxing match that was Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou went down Saturday. We'll be talking about that fight. Going to be going over, of course, week eight of the NFL. I got 14 of my 16 predictions correct. I actually made the wall of fame at my college for guessing. Right, I won the pick'em. I won week eight of the pick'em here, so I get to be on the wall of fame. I'm definitely going to find that picture. Um, Talking about the uh, New college football rankings a bit, uh, talking about my weekend, what went down. Going to actually be doing a little segment on some UFC matchups I want to see in every division. I'm going to be choosing one matchup that I want to see happen in 2024. As always, we're going to kick this off with some new fight announcements that have been going down. The NFL trades that went down today, a huge Vikings one, I might add. The start to the NBA season and some TV shows that I have been watching. We got a lot to cover, and guess what? I'm in costume. All right, I'm in costume for this episode. I'm dressed as Anakin Skywalker. I do have Darth Vader's lightsaber, so I'm not comically or canon accurate, but uh, I, you know, I was rocking with this outfit Friday night, Saturday night, and I'm probably gonna be returning it to Amazon tomorrow. So I figured I might as well rock it one more day. But yeah, let's uh, get things rolling. Um, talking about my weekend, man, it was super fun. Friday, I went. To, let's start off with Thursday. Uh, had class all day, pretty much nothing going on. So I actually had nothing on Thursday. We'll kick Halloween weekend kicked off Friday. I went up to the University of Minnesota where my girlfriend goes. Uh, we went out to some uh, frats, you know, went out to, uh, I didn't go to the bars actually, but you know, had a good time, saw a bunch of her friends and just lived it up. Good time. Saturday came back, watched college football, watched boxing, and then went to some parties with the boys. Super fun. Sunday, watched the Vikings pick up a win, recovered, and now it's Tuesday. So I mean that it was a it was a very fun Halloween weekend, I'll say the parties were good, the vibes were good, a lot of good costumes, a lot of the boys had really good costumes, uh, we had some Patrick Batemans, we had uh, we had a Justin Jefferson, uh, who, what, what other costumes I'm trying to think of, uh, I think it was, we had Mr. Incredible, we had uh, some hockey players, I have no idea, but um, yes, good vibes this weekend, very much enjoyed everything that went down, and honestly, it's weekends like this that you'll always remember and uh, yeah, just every weekend, I'm always looking for new things to do, but it's, um, I don't know, nothing really much to touch on for the weekend. Halloween weekend to success. Halloween day, you know, 21 years old now, can't go trick-or-treating, or I could. I suppose I could go trick-or-treating, but I will not be, unfortunately, as I'm too old. But maybe if I wear a mask, I could disguise myself as just a really tall uh, elementary kid. You know, there's some kids that are actually super tall in elementary school. I think uh, one of my one buddies, Ryan, he's been like six foot his whole life. Insane. 
New matchups, though. That's what we're here to chat about real quick. As we've had some uh, big ones announced, Dana decided at 2 in the morning to announce that uh, Armin Tizukrian versus Benil Dariush will be the main event for UFC Austin December 2nd, as well as the co-main event going to be Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green. Both fights are five rounds. If no one is aware, all these fighters are ranked at lightweight. Benil Dariush, the number four lightweight in the world. Armin the number eight. Uh, Bobby Green is the number 12 lightweight. And Dan Hooker is the number nine. So two absolutely massive lightweight fights. I'm very happy they chose to go with Armin versus Benil as the main event. And that card is just loaded all around December 2nd at the Moody Center in Austin, Texas. Elsewhere on there, you have Sean Brady versus Calvin Gaslam. Sean Brady currently the number eight uh, welterweight in the world, Kelvin Gaslam dropping down. He's currently the number 11 middleweight in the world. Absolutely crazy. As well, we have Misha Tate taking on Julia Avila at women's bantamweight. Julia Avila is number 13. Misha Tate is 12. Could be a little passing of the torch. Elsewhere, we also have Rob Font versus Devison Figueredo, an absolutely huge one at bantamweight. Devison Figueredo, former flyweight champion, currently ranked number two at flyweight. He'll be moving up to take on the number eight, Rob Font, who's coming off a huge knockout of Adrian Yanez. And on the prelims, we have a massive one at light heavyweight between Khalil Roundtree Jr. and Azamat Mirzakhan. Off. Two absolutely crazy, crazy fighters with knockout power. Azmat's at 12, Khalil is ranked 11th, and Azmat is undefeated. That is right, he is super impressed. Actually, what is Azmat's professional record? 13 and 0, 9 by knockout, 1 by sub. What I tell you, just guy loves to get it done. Um, Roman Dolidice is still looking for an opponent. He's a top 10 middleweight. I know Clay Guida is on this card. I mean, Zachary Reese taking on Cody Brundage. Zach Reese from this past season of Data White's Contender Series. Love that guy. Um, also, we got Punaheli Soriano and Dustin Stolfsis. We got so many fights. Very much pumped for this card. It's a shame they chose to go with Austin, Texas over Minnesota. But, you know, that's just sometimes how the politics work in the UFC. We don't get banger fights like that in the UFC. Um, or just, I mean, in Minnesota. I wish we did. You know, I wish they would give us some slack here in Minnesota, give us a banger fight. But, hey, it is what it is. I, I can't complain too much. Um, uh, this uh, Also, December 9th, Shanghai, China. That's right. The December 9th card that's supposed to be in Shanghai, China. Got a big fight as Tatsuro Taira, undefeated Japanese fighter, will be taking on Carlos Hernandez. Is Tatsuro ranked yet? He is uh, currently not, but I mean, this kid is super talented. I... Um, how old is he? He's actually, um, what is he, 23 years old? He's only 23 years old. Of course, from Japan, undefeated in the UFC so far. Really much looking forward to seeing him return. And as for his opponent, Carlos Hernandez, he's 2-1 in the UFC. He's 30 years old. And, um, yeah, biggest win in the UFC probably over Dennis Bonder. I mean, not not, not too much. <laughs> not, not, not a known fighter, I will say. But uh, as I was going to touch on before I start looking at Carlos Hernandez's stats, is that this Shanghai China card is just not... There's only, what, six fights now with this ad addition going down. The December 9th card is now just about a month away. And for being an international card, I think they would load it up more. Obviously, we're supposed to have Song Yedong versus Piotr Jan, but that fight fell through. 
Um, currently on here, we have Zong Mingyang versus Brenson Ribeiro. Brenson Ribeiro come from this past season of Dana White's Contender Series. Suma Darji versus Alan Nascimento, good one at flyweight. A middleweight bout between Andre Munez versus Park Jun Young is probably the best fight at the moment at middleweight. I mean, that could nowhere near be in the main event. Nazareth Hak Pasrat versus Jamie Malarkey could be a good one at lightweight. And at flyweight, we also have Park Young Sung versus Shannon Ross. Some interesting ones there, but I just... I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, certainly when we look at women's strawweight, Zhang Wei Li is a Chinese champion currently, and number two ranked John John Young. Oh my gosh, Yan Jianin. Oh my gosh, I I'm butchering these names. I apologize, ladies. I mean, we have a Chinese champion and number two Chinese a woman at two. I don't understand why that's not the main event. It's unfortunate that's not. But other than that, I mean, Song Yadong can't fight. We don't really have anyone else, so I'll be interested to see what they go with. And obviously some big news that dropped, um, I think it was Wednesday, or it might have been Tuesday, is of course that UFC 295, uh, John Jones got injured. New uh, heavyweight bout is an interim fight for the interim championship between Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. Sergey's ranked number two, uh, Tom Aspinall at number four. It's going to be the co-main event now with Jerry Prohaska versus Alex Pera as the main event. That fight is going to be electric. Sergey Pavlovich, I'm, of course, I'm a big fan of. Tom Aspinall I actually love too, so it's going to suck to see one of them lose, but... Um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting bout. I will be rooting for Pavlovich and for Jerry Prochaska in that one. But either either man can uh, pick up the victory. Very much looking forward to that. And the last bout, which I was um, is apparently just it's a rumor right now, but it's probably leaning in the right direction that it'll go down. Is a bantamweight matchup at UFC 297 in uh, January of 2024 between number two ranked Marabdo Vichelli and number three Henry Cejudo in the men's bantamweight division. Really hope that matchup gets made. It's looking like it's gonna, and UFC 297 going down in Canada could be a absolutely massive event if uh, everyone can stay healthy. Volk versus Ia Topira still rumored for that. Of course, Mike Mallett, Canadian fighter, taking on Neil Magny. He's actually be added to UFC 5, and we have one more. Charles Jordan, I believe, will be on there as well. He's also being added to UFC 5, which is actually something that I wanted to talk about, is a UFC 5 has just been atrocious, I'll say. It's it's an okay game. It's just a polished version of UFC 4. And it's honestly not worth the deluxe edition, without a doubt. And they're not even updating the game till December, which is just... I, d I don't even know why you're not updating the game until December. And by the way, the fighters they're adding in December are Jan Chaonin and Amir Al-Bazi, who should have already been in the game. Jan Chaonin, I mentioned, the number two women's strawweight. Amir Al-Bazi, the number three men's flyweight. It's, it's it's so perplexing. I mean, they're not even adding fighters again until January, where they add Mike Mallett and Charles Jordan, as I just mentioned. And they're going to be adding Ian Gary in there, and don't get me wrong, Ian Gary, he's the number 10 welterweight, should have been in the game by now, but he fights in December, why are we adding him in January? In February, they're also adding Joe Pfeiffer, who's an unranked middleweight, surging up, and they're also going to be adding Bryce Mitchell, number 10 featherweight in the world, as well as Macy Barber, who is currently the number 8 women's flyweight. UFC 5 has been lacking a lot, a lot, and they just haven't really been updating the game either. I really hope that they start to acknowledge that there's also not much to do in the game, might I add, uh, there's career mode. You can build your own fights. You can just fight the CPU. But there's, there's just not much to do. And it's 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 been a letdown. And I really hope that the producers, the uh, developers, actually, the developers, can sit down and assess everything that's been going on 
and fix it because it's been a letdown so far, even though it's it's fun to play, but it's just it doesn't feel like a new game. And I think that really diminishes all the stuff from it. I'll tell you what was a very uh, also not as good was uh, Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury. It showed why boxing is rigged. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Tyson Fury probably did beat Francis Ngannou on the scorecards, but in the fight itself, Francis Ngannou beat Tyson Fury. Obviously, not the case. Tyson Fury wins a split decision over uh, Francis Ngannou in their Saturday boxing match in Saudi Arabia which was, by the way, an absolute just a lame event. I mean, I don't really know much about boxing, so I didn't really watch any prelim fights. But they had like a concert beforehand. They made such a spectacle of it, and it took forever. And the biggest moment in the whole fight was a knockdown from Francis Ngannou. And I believe it was the third or sixth round or something. And other than that, nothing much going down. Here are your uh, final punch stats. Uh, 71 total punches landed. Uh, compared to 59 for Francis Ngannou. Jabs landed 39 to 22 in favor of Fury and 32 uh, to 37 in favor of Ngannou for power punches. But uh, round by round, I mean, Fury outstruck him in every round, but round three, four, seven, they tied. Eight, Ngannou landed more, and 10, Fury landed more. So not the most exciting fight. Um... By the way, Tyson Fury was actually at a fight book for December and had to cancel it. He's supposed to fight um, Alex Alexander, or Oleg Alexander, or whatever Usyk Usyk Ole Alexander, or whatever, a, for, uh, a fellow uh, heavyweight WBO champion in boxing. That fight no longer going down as uh, Tyson Fury was kind of humbled in this one. He was given the scorecards. I think everyone kind of thought that Francis Ngannou was gonna be given the nod. He didn't, but I just. Tyson Fury looked very human here. And this is, he was looking superhuman for a time. The Deontay Wilder trilogy was insane. He was then knocking out um, Dylan White. He was, uh, did he ever fight Joshua? Never fought Anthony Joshua. But uh, Tyson Fury, unfortunate for him. Francis Ngannou, though, his stock has gone up tremendously. Such a fan of him now. He made a bag from this. And seems to be doing good. Apparently, he might take on Deontay Wilder in boxing or even MMA, which would be huge. And, of course, he'll be making his PFL, which is another MMA organization like the UFC. He'll be uh, debuting in 2024 to take on someone in MMA, which is pretty much what I would prefer to see him in compared to boxing, as he can use more weapons there and kind of throw caution to the wind more than he could in boxing. But um, good job from Francis Ngannou. I really hope that um, he gets another fight book soon. And as for Tyson Fury, you know, you got to come back after this and bounce back. But at the end of the day, Tyson Fury does not need to continue boxing. But if he does, could be getting knocked out soon. He got dropped for the one of the few times this career he's been knocked down. It was by Francis Ngannou. Francis can always hold that over him. Uh, but yes, I give I give the fight like a 6 out of 10. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Um, college football, the uh, new rankings have been announced. We've had some new rankings. Um, just kind of skimming through all the sports news that we've been missing these last few days. As there's a new top 25, as always, new adjustments, new rises, and some teams that were eliminated from the playoffs officially. Let's check in as Kansas State University, 6-2 and two now, is now ranked at 25. That's right, getting back into... The rankings pool after a win this weekend, good for them. USC losing again. They're now seven and two. No longer allowed to, no longer eligible to be in the uh, college playoffs, college football playoffs. It's been a big fall off for Caleb Williams, and uh, he's cocky. He's got an attitude. 
And even if he can ball, I mean, he's not winning fans with this attitude. USC, uh, don't know who they're playing next, but uh, in for a rough season to round it out. At number 23, James Madison University, one of the few undefeated teams left in the uh, college football uh, eight no now jump two spots. They've gone from 25 to 23 with another win. Happy to see what James Madison can produce. And I always love seeing these kind of smaller colleges. I'm not sure a lot of people know where James Madison is. I don't even know. Um, I always love seeing them pick up wins. And number 22 now ranked um, six and two now in the season is Kansas. So we got two Kansas teams in the top 25. And I like seeing these basketball schools, you know, Kansas, Kansas State, doing well in football more so uh kansas because i mean when you think of college basketball you definitely think of kansas won the championship what two years ago or something good to see them in the rankings at number 21 two lane jumps up one spot as they go to seven and one they received 303 votes to uh um get, enter the uh rankings very much happy to uh see them advance or move up at number 20, jumping three spots is UCLA, now 6-2, and two, uh, University of California, Los Angeles. Is that what that is? I think that's what it is. Um, UCLA, team that's pretty much overall good in all aspects. 6-2, um, and two, now up to 20, good for them. Getting into the top 20, we have number 19, Tennessee, now 6-2, and two. They've had uh, 473 points. It says points. Is that votes? or I'm, I'm trying to decide what these points are when I'm looking at the uh, uh, rankings here. And I cannot really determine what exactly it is. I was trying to find the, uh, the, uh, like the ranking of all the... Because ESPN usually posts like the rankings for every uh, once once when the teams are updated for the college football rankings, it usually posts like a little bit about all of them. But right now it's just I'm just kind of reading straight off the list, so I'm trying to find something that actually gives me more detail when it comes to uh, what every team beat last week, who they play in the future, because uh, ESPN they upload a lot of stuff. And um, by the way, uh, I, the college football playoffs are officially six teams. I'm pretty sure. This year, so it's going to be very interesting to see what six teams make it into the uh, playoffs. But uh, yeah, we'll get into the uh, top six in a minute. I was unable to find the uh, the article related to uh, what I, how each team did last week. I'll make sure to take a recording of that every time I see it. But uh, continuing Tennessee now, six and two, jumping up two spots to number nineteen. Uh, number 18, Utah, 6-2, and two, dropping five spots after losing, eliminated from playoff contention. And at number 17, one of the few remaining undefeated teams, I think it's like seven or six left, Air Force, 8-0 now, up to 17. Th there's a crazy scenario they could maybe make the playoffs, but usually they save it for the big dogs at the top. But I believe there's seven undefeated teams left, and James Madison and Air Force are two of them. Number 16, Oregon State dropping five spots from 11. They're sadly um, uneligible to uh, uh, make the playoffs after losing. They now stand at 6-2. and two. Still a decent season. Um, at 15, jumping three spots, Louisville. That's right, going from 18 to 15. Louisville is now 7-1. and one. They've scored 666 points for the uh, year. If that's, I'm, if that's how I'm understanding that. If that's all offensive-wise, I mean... But, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is points. 
points is that how much you get for uh, like get moving up the rankings? I uh, don't know. And number 14, Missouri jumping up two spots. They're 7-1. and one. Number 13, LSU, two spots. Baby Gronk helping out that team. And number 12, Notre Dame, 7-2 and two now, jumping up two spots, still climbing. And Ole Miss, 11 now after uh, they were 12 last week. They're now 7-1. and one. Of course, as I mentioned, uh, some kid that I uh, don't really know well, but like uh, one of my friends is buddies with, he goes to Ole Miss in a frat there. Very cool. Very cool. And number 10, Oklahoma dropping four spots after losing this weekend, getting upset. Unfortunate stuff for the Sooners. They are probably not going to make the playoffs now. At nine, Penn State still kicking it. They're seven and one at eight. Bama now jumping up from nine last week. You know, the the College Football Playoff Commission will do anything to get Alabama in the playoffs every single year. At seven, Texas, seven and one still keeps their seventh spot. And Oregon jumping up two spots to the number six. They were eight last week, seven and one now. Bo Nix doing the most he can. And our top five teams are all undefeated. They haven't changed since last week. Washington at five. Florida State University at four, Ohio State University at three, Michigan at two, and Georgia at one. And I believe this is the actual votes thing that I was um, referring to. Um, three votes for Florida State University, three votes for Ohio State University, nine for Michigan, 48 for Georgia. I believe that's to what spot they should be at, like at one. I think those are their number one votes. I don't know for sure. But uh, with uh, just about four weeks left of the season, of course, uh, five maybe if we get some bowl games. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, your top four. Washington, Oregon, holding on to that five and six spot. But, you know, you guys remain undefeated. You'll remain at the top. I saw that um, uh, Colorado, I believe, lost again. That team is, or did they, I have no idea if they won or not. I just, this whole, the whole thing, Travis Hunter is clearly amazing. Shador Sanders is all right. Deion Sanders is a good coach, but this Colorado team, just doesn't have the star power to uh, to uh, compete with uh, a lot of these uh, other big teams. It's very sad, but um, you know, as for Colorado fans, I could honestly care less. I did see that. Um, speaking of college and like signings of sorts, that uh, the number one prospect, Cooper Flag, for college basketball, signed with Duke. I know my cousin's a huge Duke fan, Ryan. We've had him on. And uh, always, uh, always happy when Duke gets good players. But you know, can they uh, can they share a bit? Honestly, can they share a bit? Good stuff in the um, world of college football. We'll have to take more notes next time to go more in depth. Um, speaking of football, we're going to be talking about Week Eight here in a second. But we have had some major, major trades going down today. I. Uh, Certainly am uh, very interested to see how a lot of them play out. Let's start with an interesting one. As the uh, the Packers are trading for d- defensive back Rasul Douglas, who will be going to the Bills. The Bills will be getting Rasul Douglas. I'm curious to see what the deal was for that. Um, they, uh, the Packers will be sending Rasul Douglas to the Bills, and the Bills will get a third-round pick. And a uh, fifth round. So they're sending a fifth rounder, Rasul Douglas, in exchange for a third round pick. Interesting stuff there. Always happy to see the Packers losing players. A massive one, I should say, is that former number two overall pick, uh, Commander's defensive end Chase Young, is being traded to the 49ers. Absolutely crazy stuff. And um, the I believe the pick they're getting is likely a mid-round pick in 2024. But, I mean, just massive stuff there. And then... Uh, 
as well as this, the Commanders also dealt Montez Sweat to the Bears. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Washington Commanders are doing, just giving away some of their good linemen. But hey, Bears will be happy to get someone. And um, now they don't have a defense. But a 49ers now stack now. Nick Bosa and Chase Young both on different ends. The offense, though, is failing for the 49ers. In Vikings news, the Vikings are trading standout guard Ezra Cleveland to the Jaguars. Um, I believe they'll be getting a third-day draft pick. So uh, Ezra and Cleveland, hate to see you go, but I'll tell you who we do get as the Vikings are trading for Arizona Cardinals QB Josh Dobbs. Absolutely crazy. I'm happy to get Josh Dobbs. I'm a big fan of Josh Dobbs. You know, of course, he has Alpoasia. He is a, uh, I don't even know, he's an all right QB, certainly not a high QB, uh, like QB rating, but hey, you know what, Kirk Cousins is out, uh, Josh Dobbs going to step up and be the hero. Uh, I, was in, I was informed that Jaron Hall is starting in our Sunday matchup against the Falcons, but I will not let that stop, um, I will not let that stop me from rooting for Josh Dobbs when he finally gets the nod, but other than that, not too many trades going on in the NFL, the, um, Giants, they finalized the deal to send Pro Bowl defensive lineman Leonard Williams to the Seahawks. Um, I believe they get a 2024 second rounder and a 2025 fifth rounder. Big deal for the um, uh, Seahawks, without a doubt. As they, uh, they, uh, I'm sure they are thinking of the playoffs, without a doubt. Um, other than that, no real trades. I mean, the Eagles traded for uh, Kevin Burrard, but that was a bit ago. And I saw uh, Peoples-Jones, Donovan Peoples-Jones, was traded to the Lions from the Browns. So, But Minnesota winning the day as far as uh, notable things with the dealing of Josh Dobbs and giving away Ezra Cleveland, which I, I don't know how I really feel about that. I like Ezra Cleveland, but um, oh, you know what? We're getting Josh Dobbs in return, and we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to surprise everyone and make the playoffs because everyone's counting us out now. As I'll mention later, Kirk Cousins, of course, tearing his Achilles, I believe it was. It's just a shame. I hate to see it. It's, uh, man, I just have no, I have no words about that. But we can bounce back. We can get it done. And uh, the Vikings will be, the Vikings are here to stay. Okay, y'all going to count the Vikings out? I'm not, all right? We're, I can, I shall see win-loss the rest of our record. But, uh, but maybe we'll do that. But, yeah, those, those are all the trades really today. Big ones are some defensive linemen and, of course, Joshua Dobbs. Other things that have been going on is the NBA season has kicked off. Um, I've been seeing all sorts of things. Curry dropping 40 points here and there. Jokic getting triple doubles. But we're going to talk about the records of the teams so far this year as the uh, Celtics are currently undefeated in the Eastern Conference. And other than them, every single East team has managed to get at least one win. So impressive stuff. Bucks, Bucks are 2-1, Pacers 2-1, uh, Magic 2-1, 76ers 2-1. You know, it's still early, but, uh, I mean, without, without, a, without a doubt, these games are going to be getting more competitive, I do say. I'm trying to find the West rankings, but I'm um, having some issue with that. I saw the Timberwolves. Have the Timberwolves won a game yet this uh, this season? Because uh, it's, I feel like it's been a rough start from everything I've been seeing. Uh, do, 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 looking around on the internet. Uh, you'd think it'd be easy to Google or just to search up things, but clearly it is not. Oh, there we go. The Nuggets are 4-0 and and the Mavericks are 3-0. 
So we have three undefeated teams, and there's two teams without wins. That is the Grizzlies, who are 0-4, and, and the Rockets, who are 0-3. Rockets are just a disastrous franchise, and the Grizzlies, without John Morant, are clearly struggling. Timberwolves are currently a number 11. Um, they are 1-2, coming off of a loss. But well, not too not too shabby, I'll say that. Could be worse. Warriors and Thunder are 3-1. and one. Suns, Kings, Clippers, Pelicans, 2-1. and one. Uh, So Nuggets. Nuggets and Mavs off to a fast start this season. So those are the Celtics, Pacers, Bucks. I'll be interested to see what, uh, what comes of all the future games for all these teams. But, I mean, when there's 82, it's so much harder to look at every single NBA game compared to every um, like NFL game, per se, just because of how many there are. I mean, my goodness, there are just so many. How, 82 games, um, just ridiculous. I um, Actually, speaking of NBA, James Harden was traded. I, I forgot about that. James Harden was traded to the Clippers. Clippers are absolutely stacked now. It is crazy. I was trying to find that trade package, but clearly I lost it. Um, James Harden now teaming up with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Um, but I guess, I guess not. Oh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden are the only players in NBA history to bring home multiple scoring and assist titles as they will join each other for the third time on a different team. Hmm. How about that? That's actually, uh, that's actually pretty cool. Trade details. Here we go. 76ers receive Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, KJ Martin, a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round pick swaps, and another pick swap. Clippers receive James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Petruzev. Ooh, I'm very much liking this trade for the Clippers. They're probably going to want to make a run for the championship this year. Man, I, I love to see that. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I am a James Harden fan. I know sometimes he can be a bit, uh, a bit whiny, a bit bratty. I'll say that it's um, he certainly has a personality. If I can defend him at all, but I mean, happy to see what the Timberwolves offer. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't. I did see that Andre Drummond broke Chet Green's, Chet Holmgren's ankles. Chet Holmgren, a Minnesota basketball player, uh, who is I think a year younger than me, two years younger than me. Very cool to see, but um, yeah, NBA season kicking off and what's coming to an end though is the mlb season texas rangers lead the arizona diamondbacks two to one as game number the four goes down tonight at 8 p.m on halloween rangers were able to take uh, game one six to five and uh oh no, yeah rangers took game one diamondbacks took game two nine to one and uh yesterday october 30th the rangers won three to one Game five will be November 1st, so we're just going to keep banging out all these games. Potential game six, November 3rd, and if we get to a game seven, it would be Saturday, November 4th. My prediction, I guess the Rangers at this point, but um, other than that, I just don't really care about uh, MLB, and it's nothing personal, okay? It's, I don't have anything against them, the MLB, but I just find it kind of boring, if, if I'm being honest. Baseball, not my thing, as I mentioned, but hey, it's the World Series. Usually playoff baseball is a bit different of a vibe. We'll, we'll see. Three minutes into the episode, let me give a shout-out to my favorite hydration drink, Hoist. Hoist is very delicious. 
I've been drinking a lot of their blue raspberry flavors. They, of course, have other flavors that I'll be trying soon. But um, Hoist is more than a beverage. It's battlefield proven IV level hydration that's trusted by soldiers to keep them hydrated longer than water. Hoist absorbs instantly and replenishes the body immediately to keep you powering through the next objective, mission, rep, or lap. And is clinically proven to hydrate 110% better than water. I love this. I love this brand. I really uh, would appreciate a sponsor, Hoist. I would drink this all the time, sport some merch. But um, probably unless I um, start doing more, um, I need to start recording myself for this podcast. I know I said I was going to do that early on, and I just haven't gotten around to it, but I really should. So that could be something we start working on in the future. Hoist, of course, only 70 calories. Very much enjoyed drinking it. Shout out to Hoist. I will always be here if you need me, or even New Amsterdam. Or uh, Proper 12, Irish Whiskey, or Mike's Hard Lemonade. Any of those brands, too. But not Hoist, an actual healthy brand. I would, uh, I would, uh, what would I say, recommend that to anyone who likes hydration drinks. So Hoist, love you, and I'll be tagging you in my post. My post. My post. My post. How about that? I'm thinking of Hoist. Um, TV. In TV world, um, I've been watching a number of shows at the moment. Of course, I've been reading the Lord of the Rings books. I actually have to renew the, I've like, I got this Lord of the Rings book from the library, which has all three books in one. And I think I'm like 200, 300 pages deep. But uh, I was it's due November 3rd at the library, so I'm going to have to renew that. And I've been kind of watching the movie along with it as I watch it. The movie is so long. I'm watching every extended version. I'm still in the first movie because I'm still in the first book, technically. And it's been super fun watching that. I love that universe. I always like those universes, um, such as like the Game of Thrones, Without a Doubt. I mean, MCU, Star Wars, cool universes. But as for reading, Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings obviously stick out. And I've also been watching The uh, Sopranos um, on season six, probably episode eight. So the final season, it's heating up. I love Tony Soprano. I have no idea how the show ends. I thought I did, but it turns out I don't. Chris, I like in that show. Polly, I mean, just Sopranos, such a well-written show. It feels realistic. I at times don't even feel like I'm watching a show. I just feel like this is a character. And the mafia, the mobs, just such cool elements to a uh, to a show. And I love that type of stuff. Uh, the mafia games are super fun on uh, video games, Xbox and such. But um, yeah, I've been watching that. Probably might do a full review. Maybe you know I always think about ranking my top ten episodes, but it's just so hard. You forget about them as you go on. I should always take note if I really liked an episode more compared to another one. Really should do that. I've also been watching Gen V episode seven, uh, aired uh, thir- last Thursday actually. But I watched it yesterday with my uh, roommate. We've been uh, watching every episode. It was super good. It's heating up. Spoiler warnings for anything I talk about now. But um, it's one lady who blends. Who bends blood is just like uh, what's her name, the head popper, who's like a villain from the boys, and now she's been trying to recruit her or whatever. She now has this like virus that can like infect soups, and I think she's gonna try and take out Homelander, uh, the dean of the school. Now uh, she was killed in this episode. Very shocking, very shocking element. So was the doctor. Um, everything's heating up. See uh, episode eight. Thursday, Friday, whatever, whenever it airs, the final episode for the uh, Gen V show. Hoping they give a little teaser for when the boys will come out because I've been waiting to watch that. Man, the show has just been heating up so much. I very much enjoy it. It feels like a really good show. And hopefully they do a season two. But yeah, the final episode coming out soon. 
The other show I've been watching that I've not been too excited about compared to other ones is Loki, of course, season two on Disney Plus. Just watched episode four. It was all right. I'm certainly it's certainly not as good as season one in my opinion, but there's only um two episodes left. Right. I think this was. Yeah, I think they only have five and six unless they do a seventh episode. But it, spoiler alert, the episode ended with them all like dying, apparently, or something, which just obviously isn't the case. I think new episodes come out like Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm very curious to see what they do. But um, every show just feels like it ends with a lame cliffhanger. I feel like I've been waiting for some big reveal and nothing's happened. But uh, I don't know. Loki, it's it's been all right. Episode four. Uh, I think they killed uh, one of the Kang variants in this episode on accident. But um, other than that, I just don't remember too much that goes on from it. It's uh, it's an interesting show, to say the least. But I shouldn't expect too much from uh, the MCU when it comes to uh, Disney Plus shows. Actually, the Marvels come out too soon with um, you know, Captain Marvel, Maria Rambo, the one lady, Miss Marvel, whatever. Uh, not going to see that. I have little interest in that. The MCU is actually becoming less interesting as I go on. I just don't spend that much time on it. I, I don't know why I used to be so invested in it, and I've just slowly become less and less invested, which sucks to say because I really enjoyed it. Fortunately, Disney Plus shows have been really lacking. They've been they've been lacking super hard, but um, I don't know. Just a, Just a shame. Uh, getting some updates on my phone, actually. Aaron Rodgers reached out to Vikings QB. Kirk Cousins offered advice on tackling recovery from a torn Achilles. Really hope Kirk takes that up as Aaron Rodgers might be able to return for the playoffs. Could be saving the Jets season. I certainly certainly would love to see Aaron Rodgers return in the playoffs if the Jets could make it. That would be uh, super cool. And one last little uh, NBA tip before we talk about week eight of the NFL. As, um, uh, what's his name? Joel Embiid was fined, where, where did that go? Joel Embiid was fined $35,000 for reportedly making obscene gesture on the playing court during the game versus the Trailblazers on Sunday. The uh, league is getting super soft. I saw that they were fining Suns players for flopping, which I just find absolutely crazy because, you know, flopping, obviously it's bad, but um, I, just, I just think it's goofy that they're uh, um, fining them for that. I don't know. Like, it curves it, I guess. But I want to see players flop because it's hilarious. It, it's kind of what, it's like soccer players, you know, how they fake injuries. But um, I don't know. I always like seeing stuff like that. And a crazy alert I just got on my phone. I mean, we, we, we drop live information on this podcast. Obviously, it comes out later. But if we go to the live segment, this would be crazy. Derek Lewis was arrested earlier today. I got that from Verdict. Four days before his main event fight against Halton Almeida, he was going 136 miles per hour in a 50-mile-per-hour zone in a red Lamborghini and was arrested via ABC 13. Houston, wow, that's crazy. It's also crazy that... He uh, is not in Brazil yet. He has a fight Saturday. I don't know when he thought he was heading down there. But um, wh- what are we going to do if that fight falls through? Let me just say that um, Hulton Almeida and Derek Lewis, two top 10 heavyweights, are supposed to fight this um, this uh, Saturday. And if they don't fight, there's there's honestly no other ranked fighter on the card that could main event. I'd say maybe you bump up Kyle Buralo versus Abus Magomedov to main event status. Other than that, you have Gable Bromfine versus Nicholas Dalby, Rodrigo Nascimento versus Dante Mays, Rodolfo Viro versus Armin Petrosian, and Ishmael Bromfine versus Vink Bichel. I mean, you do not have big-name fighters on this card. Um, the loss of Curtis Blades definitely was a huge hit, but um, after just receiving this announcement, I have no idea what the UFC is going to do now. Hopefully, 
he's not held in jail long, but um, that boy was going 86 miles over the speed limit. He, I hope he wasn't drunk. If he was drunk, he is definitely going to be in jail. Um, I hope not because I love Derek Lewis. Anyways, let's think of some more happy news besides number 10 ranked heavyweight Derek Lewis getting arrested as the, the NFL Week 8 went out. As I mentioned, my best, my Aussie, this might have been my best week of picks ever. I got two incorrect picks. I thought the Colts would beat the Saints, and they didn't, and I thought the Chiefs would beat the Broncos, and they didn't. But other than that, I did amazing. I did absolutely amazing on my picks this week. I could not be I could not be more happy. I was thrilled just seeing how good I was doing. But um uh, yeah, let's cover all the games, talk about everything that went down and um attempt attempt to uh talk about some of the top fantasy performances as the ESPN app it uh it like stops. It doesn't show like the stats. That's why I kind of like recording on Mondays before the Monday night football game as I'm then able to uh, look at the stats live so I can talk about it on the podcast, but um, we'll work on that. I go two and two in my four fantasy leagues this week. Um, two heartbreaking losses. I lost by 0.6 and 0.58 because the Ravens defense gave up that last minute field goal to the Cardinals. So that really hurt. But um, other than that, big performances in my uh, Cato boys league with all my friends down here in Mankato. Was able to get a huge win there. Thanks to, I mean, I think I put up 151 points this week. It was crazy. Yeah, top performers Justin Herbert dropped 24, Gus Edwards 29, Tyree Kill 25, Sam Laporta 19. I mean, uh, Brandon Aubrey, Cowboys kicker, dropping 13. I'll take it. Jets D at 10. Um, disappointing performances from Cooper Cup. Honestly, uh, just embarrassing stuff there. And then in my 10 man $20 buy in league. I finally got a win. I'm now fourth in the rankings. We really got to make the playoffs, if I'm being honest. Uh, I was able to get it done thanks to uh, Christian McCaffrey, 29 points. Jordan Asson, 21 points. Joe Mixon, 20 points. Um, but uh, the Eagles defense, negative three points. was really hurt me. I thought I wasn't going to be able to pull one out, but uh, I managed to. Uh, gosh, I, lo- I won by five points. Wow, 5.2. Yikes. Oh, my gosh. I hate close games. Just... Make get me all nervous, but um, top fantasy performances. There we go. Now I can talk about him. Sam Howell dropping a thirty bomb. He's actually being my starting QB this week in that league. Uh, Sam Howell doing his thing for the Commanders. Um, some other good ones. Travis Etienne dropped twenty five points, seventy nine yards rushing. Even got a receiving touchdown. Uh, Devontae Smith seven catches, ninety nine yards and a touchdown. He's doing his thing. CD Lamb. 41 fantasy points, absolutely cooked the Rams. 12 receptions, 158 yards, two touchdowns. He was doing amazing. Happy for him, uh, very much so. Uh, doozy for uh, Devontae Adams. We'll talk about that Raiders team later on. Any other good pro- Patrick Mahomes, only five points. He was held to nothing. Alvin Kamara, 59 rushing yards, uh, two total uh, touchdowns on the game. What were his catches? He's a PPR monster. He had four catches for 51 yards and touchdown. Oh, so he was actually doing it. On the uh, on the run game, very cool. See T. Lockett, Tyler Lockett, of course, Seahawks wide receiver, eight catches, eighty-one yards, a touchdown, dropped twenty-two fantasy points. Happy to see him have his one or two breakout games of the season. I mean, Dak Prescott dropping twenty-eight points. Happy to see him back. Jalen Waddle, twenty-five fantasy points on seven catches, hundred twenty-one yards, a touchdown. I mean, my goodness, so many. Um, I thought there was one more big one that I'm looking for. Swore there was A.J. Brown, thirty-three fantasy points, eight catches, hundred thirty yards. Two touchdowns. John Dotson did good. 
I guess not. If I can find it, I'll bring it up. I can't remember. I thought there was one big performance, uh, but uh, I guess not. Um, anyways, let's talk about all the matchups that went down and um, where everyone's sitting in the rankings now because a lot has been going on, and uh, Vikings are currently in the playoffs now. We're the number seven seed. Just wanted to throw that in there. We kicked off Thursday with the Bills beating the Buccaneers, getting it done as you know it. Uh, Bills 5-3 and three now. Obviously, they have a beautiful 222 points for, 136 points against. And as for the Bucks, it's been a rough one. A little three-game losing streak after being 3-1. and one. They're now negative 7 in point differential and are currently out of the playoffs. I mean, you know, Josh Allen was doing his thing in that game. As always, Josh Allen is so, so talented. Really showing it um, this season, I'll say without a doubt. He had 324 yards, two touchdowns. The pick did hurt them. He also ran for 41 yards at touchdown, um, as James Cook ran for 67 yards. By the way, Leonard Fournette, former uh, Buccaneers, former Jaguars running back, was actually signed to the Bills practice squad. I think he's better than Latavius Murray and even James Cook. I've been a huge Leonard Fournette fan since his LSU days. Interested to see what happens. Leading wide receiver for the Bills, Khalil Shakir. Six catches, 92 yards, but it's actually Gabe Davis. All in a touchdown, so did Dalton Kincaid. Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 70 yards. Somewhat quiet game. Bucks, man, I mean, Baker, 237 yards and two touchdowns. He, he did decent. Nothing in the rushing game. I mean, leading rusher, Rashad White, 39 yards. And receiving-wise, Mike Evans caught one touchdown out of his three catches. And I guess Chris Godwin had five catches, 54 yards and touchdown. But I don't know what to tell this Buccaneers team. I mean, the Bills just simply outclassed you. There was, there was nothing to say about it. Next weekend, um, Buccaneers will be taking on the Texans. So very much winnable game for the Bucs there to snap their losing streak. And as for the Bills, they got a big one against the Bengals on Sunday Night Football. Damar Hamlin, be careful out there. I'll say that. Kicking off Sunday, we had a beautiful slate at 12 o'clock as the Eagles beat the Commanders 38-31. to This was a barn burner of a game, a true test for this Eagles team against the Commanders team, which is 3-5. and Okay, let me just say, let me just say, this Commanders team is 3-5, and but they are playing much better. They're on a two-game losing streak. But, and I, I just feel like they just keep losing losing games. They keep losing winnable games. And this was a winnable game. Couldn't get it done. Eagles, though, 7-1. and one. That Jets loss, clearly a fluke. 224 points for, 172 points against. The defense sucked this week. I won't lie, their defense got me negative three fantasy points, as I mentioned. It was tough. I'll talk about Sam Howell, as I mentioned. 30-point fantasy performance. 397 yards and four touchdowns. He was balling only one pick. Jahan Dotson caught a touchdown. Jamison Crowder caught a touchdown. Terry McLaurin caught a touchdown. Logan Thomas caught a touchdown. Everyone's getting active, but you can't stop this Eagles team. Jalen Hurts, 319 yards, four touchdowns. No pick this game. DeAndre Swift rushed for uh, 57 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown went off, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 99 yards and a touchdown. And Julio Jones, one catch for the game. It was a touchdown. Love to see it. Happy that this, uh, you know, I like this Eagles team. I know a lot of people hate the Eagles. I personally don't. Uh, I always wish them the best. Unless it's the playoffs or they're playing the Vikings. Then I'm out to get them. They'll host the Cowboys next week, which should be a huge test for this defense. If you're almost losing to the uh, um, to the Commanders, this Cowboys team could give you some issues. Speaking of the Commanders, they will visit the Patriots. So a winnable game there for the Commanders, which I, I think they should win that. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. 
Saints beat the Colts 38-27. to Saints are now 4-4. Four and four. Colts fall to 3-5. and five. Yet just two teams hit or miss every single week. Saints are now 4-4 four and four in the playoffs at the moment. Uh, 171 points for 154 points again. So they do have a plus... Um, plus, uh, 17, plus 17 point differential. Saints all a one game win streak. As for the Colts, they are three and five, bottom of the FC South. Three game losing streak, minus 24 point differential. I, yeah, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. This Colts team honestly does not play too bad compared to, uh, how they played last year. I mean, last year they were horrendous. And, you know, they do pretty good. Gardner Minshew, though, 213 yards, two touchdowns, one reception, kind of struggling. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 95 yards. Zach Moss, 66 yards, punched in the one rushing touchdown. Pittman and Ogletree caught the touchdowns, and Josh Downs led the day with seven catches for 72 yards. They just couldn't stop the Saints, oddly. I just, they just, the Saints were just, they had their number. Rashid Shaheed putting up insane three catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Insane stat line from the kid. Taysom Hill had rushed for two touchdowns on 63 yards. And Alvin Kamara caught a touchdown on one of his four catches. Derek Carr, 310 yards, two touchdowns. Not looking too shabby, man. Saints team, not looking too shabby at all. Um, Saints will host the Bears next week. I'm definitely riding with them over the Bears. And as for the Colts, they will be journeying to... Um, uh, Carolina to take on the Panthers. So if you lose to the Carolina team, yeah, you're bad. You're bad. Crazy uh, crazy stuff as the Jaguars improved to 6-2, beating the Steelers 20-10. to I was very shocked by this result. Um, honestly, I wasn't really shocked the Jaguars won. I'm just shocked more that they're 6-2 now. They are 6-2. The Jaguars are 6-2. Um, very impressive stuff from them. They're now ahead of the AFC South by three games Five-game win streak. Defense has been stepping up. Offense has been doing their thing. I mean, Jaguars getting it done. As for Steelers, one-game losing streak, four and three now. Just kind of awkward. 113 offensive thing, offensive yards. I mean, points, offensive points. What am I saying? It's been an abysmal offensive year for the uh, Steelers. Their defense is the only good thing about them. The uh, Kenny Pickett threw for uh, freaking 73 yards, got hurt. Mitch Trubisky came in. 138 yards, a touchdown, two picks. Very bad. Jalen Warren, oh my gosh, 19 yards. Mitch Trubisky, 18 yards. Just a terrible offense performance. Only touchdown was scored by George Pickens. Caught one catch for 22 yards. Awkward. Jaguars, though. Trevor Lawrence, a touchdown, a pick, 292 yards. It was Travis Etienne, is always 79 yards. Caught a touchdown on one of his three catches for 70 yards. Nevin Ingram, 10 catches, 88 yards. Doing his thing. Calvin Ridley, six catches, 83 yards. This offense for the Jaguars is looking very, very nice. Um, don't they have a bye? The Jaguars do have a bye next week. And the Steelers, who already had a bye, I believe, will be playing the Titans on um, Thursday night football. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to probably go with the Titans in that one as of now. We'll see if I switch it up by the time that goes down. But, um, yeah, we'll be riding with the uh, Titans at the moment. The Steelers team, this offense is just really bad. It's really bad, which I hate to say because, uh, you know, my roommate is a huge Steelers fan. But I call it how it is. That's all I can say. Texans and the Panthers. Panthers finally get their first win of the season, and I predicted it. 15-13. to 13. They're now 1-6. Texans are now 3-4. and four. Very happy for this, uh, for this Panthers team. Texans, though, 3-4 and four now, second in the AFC South. They are plus 20 point differential. Just another awkward team. As for the... 
Carolina Panthers, still the worst team in the league. They're one, actually, the Cardinals are now the worst. Wow. Panthers are 1-6, minus 72-point differential. Yikes. But they got their first win of the season, so you got to feel happy for them. You really do. You really do. Um, let's whip up the stats right here real quick. I know that um, the running backs were just atrocious for the Panthers. I mean, Bryce Young, 235 touchdown, didn't throw a pick. Chubb Harbour, yep, only 28 yards. Uh, Bryce Young, only 11 yards. Miles Sanders, zero yards on two attempts. Wow. Adam Thielen, eight catches, 72 yards. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, four catches, 62 yards. The only touchdown was by Tommy Tremble, who had two catches for four yards. <laughs> One of them was for a touchdown. It was a battle of the field goals. As the uh, Texans don't even, they get one touchdown, a rushing touchdown from Andrew Beck. Other than that, nothing. CJ Stroud threw for 104 yards. Noah Brown was a leading wide receiver, three catches, 57 yards. Just not much going right. Not much going right for this uh, Texans team. Uh, Texans will be taking on the Bucks next week. And uh, honestly, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers in that game right now. Obviously, we'll do a full breakdown Thursday, but early prediction going with the Bucks in that one. As for the Panthers, as I mentioned, they will be playing the Colts. And as hot as I think this team could get, I think that Colts team is better. So Colts at the moment, but you know what? I feel happy that the uh, Panthers are able to get their first win of the year. Keeping us rolling, Dolphins, Patriots, 31-27. to Of course, Bill Belichick offering a bit of um, uh, issue to the Dolphins, but nothing they can't overcome. Two, uh, 324 yards, three touchdowns, and then one interception. Reem Mostert rushed for 46 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Waddle, seven catches, 121 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek, eight catches, 112 yards and a touchdown, doing their thing, as always. And as for Patriots, Mac Jones, 161 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Not the hottest day. Rushing game, not really getting going. Ramondre at 39, Ezekiel 36. The uh, two touchdowns caught for the um, Patriots by Kendrick Bourne. Three catches, 36 yards and a touchdown. And Juju Smith-Schuster, one catch for three yards and a touchdown. Don't know what to tell this Patriots team. They are atrocious. They do not look good. Um, um, obviously, shout out to the Dolphins. Let me say ahead in the AFC East, 6-2. and two, uh, 271 points for one of the best offenses. is Not the best in the league. Patriots, one of the worst teams in the league. Two and six, one game losing streak. They are minus 90 point differential. Holy cow, I did not realize it was that bad. That is, ooh, that's really bad. Sorry if you're a Patriots fan. Tom Brady days are over at the moment. Dolphins, and good, good one next week against the Chiefs. Don't really know how I'm going to go with that one. I mean, the Chiefs are at home. I think they historically do better at home. And the Dolphins appear to only be losing to top AFC teams in the um, Bills. And who else did the Dolphins lose to? I'm, I'm mind-blanking here, guys. Oh, they lost to the um, Eagles. So they're only losing to top teams. So uh, we're going to go Chiefs for that one at the moment, even though the Chiefs had an off game last week. But hey, I'll be rooting for this Dolphins team. We'll see how, we'll see how they can perform. And as for the Patriots, um, as I mentioned, they'll be hosting the Commanders. And if I'm a betting man, I will not bet on the Patriots or the Commanders. I won't bet on that game in general, personally. Personally, I'm not betting on that game because that's going to be a brutal game. But actually, I'm going to sadly have to watch it now that I'm thinking of it because I'm going to have Sam Howell in fantasy. But uh, that happened. Falcons and Titans, one of my favorite games of the week. It was only 28-23 to victory for the Titans. Titans are now 3-4. and four. Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. Well, let me just tell you about this Titans team as Will Levis, 29 uh, 
attempts, 19 completions, 238 yards, four touchdowns for the kid. The rookie just broke up with his girlfriend. This was his revenge game. Even if his girlfriend looked attractive, she's not as attractive as Will Levis. My goodness, what a stud. He's earned the starting job in the, for the Titans if it's me. Oh, my gosh. Derek Lewis rushes for uh, Derek Lewis. Derek Henry rushes for 101 yards. But it's DeAndre Hopkins, four catches, 120 yards, three touchdowns. Him and Will Levis got that black and white connection. I love it. Even Nick Westbrook-Akinney, one catch, 33 yards, got a duddy. You'll love to see it. Malik Willis coming in uh, twice to run the ball. I don't, don't really know what Malik Willis was doing. It was the Will Levis show. As for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter getting benched. 8 for 12 on attempts, 71 yards. He gets benched at halftime as a Taylor Heineke comes in. The veteran QB throws for 175 yards and a touchdown. Bijan, 62 yards, ran in a touchdown too. Uh, Receiving-wise, Scott Miller caught the one touchdown. And my uh, tight end, Jonu Smith, one catch for 13 yards. But, uh, yeah, that that sucked. That sucked, I won't lie. Jonu Smith let me down, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Tyler Algeo rushed eight times for uh, 31 yards, just to throw in one last little uh, note for you. Um, Falcons Falcons and uh, Titans, no buys yet. They already have a buys. I can't remember. Titans played Steelers on uh, Thursday Night Football, actually, now that I'm recalling that. Going to be riding with Will Levis in that one if he plays. And as for the Falcons, they play the Vikings. So you obviously know who we will be picking in that game. We pick the Vikings every single week. We love them. Rankings implications, or standings, I should say. The Titans will be 3-4, and four, minus 8 point differential. But you know what? You can easily pass the Texans. You can easily make the uh, playoffs. You need to just string together some victories. You, you really need to. As for the Falcons, uh, heading over to the NFC South, they are uh, oh, they're actually atop the NFC South. While the NFC South sucks, it really does. Uh, four and four Falcons, four and four Saints, three and four Bucks, and one and six Panthers. Not much to say for either of those teams, if I'm being honest. But um, yeah, Titans and Falcons hit and miss every week. I was able to correctly predict the Titans were a hit. And as we kept it rolling, we capped off. We didn't really cap off, but um, it was the final list here for our noon games as the Vikings beat the Packers 24-10. My boys get it done, but at what cost? At what cost as we lose Kirk Cousins for the season? You know, we get Jaron Hall came in, didn't really do much, didn't have much time left in the game to do anything, but it was, it was so sad seeing him go down, limping off the field. Josh Dobbs will come in, but... Man, there's just there's just not much to say. Sad, sad stuff overshadows such a brilliant win by my boys. Kirk throws for 274 yards and two touchdowns, no turnovers. Madison rushed for 31 yards. Kim Akers rushed for 19 yards at touchdown. KJ Osborne, eight catches, 99 yards. TJ Hawkinson, six catches, 88 yards and a tutty. Jordan Asson, seven catches, 82 yards and a tutty. And Brandon Powell, Johnny Munt, Kim Akers, Alexander Madison, and CJ Ham all caught one pass. Defense did good. We picked off Jordan Love. I think we forced some fumbles, too. Jordan Love, 229 yards, a touchdown on that pick. Second, as always, Jordan Love rushed for 34 yards. Aaron Jones, third, 29 yards. A.J. Dillon, 11 yards. Defense was stepping up. Romeo Dobbs caught the one touchdown on one of his four catches. Jalen Reed, four catches, 83 yards, was the leading wide receiver. For the Packers, my Vikings get it done, but at what cost? At what cost? It's so sad. You know, Kirk Cousins is one of the best human beings that, that that's on the planet i mean he's just such a genuine man such a good person hate to see it vikings three game win streak we're four and four we're plus 13 point differential 
in the playoffs currently, number two in the NFC North, but I don't know how this is going to impact us the rest of the way. What does bring me joy is that the Packers, minus 16-point differential, 2-5 and five on a four-game losing streak. Just gross. Imagine being a Packers fan. You are honestly as good as the Bears, if I'm being honest, and that's saying something right there. How about that, being as good as the Bears? But, yeah, sad to lose Kirk, but we'll be back. We're beating the Falcons next week. I'm already calling it. Um, as for the Packers, they play the Rams, so you already know I'm picking the Rams in that one. And that was actually the team that played next as the Rams took on the Cowboys and got absolutely washed. My goodness, this Cowboys team went crazy. Uh, Cowboys defense scoring another touchdown. As always, um, they're forcing safeties. I mean, this this Cowboys defense is a scary, scary thing. 43-20. to 20. Dak throws for four tutties, only one pick. Tony Pollard rushed for 53 yards. Not doing a lot, but CeeDee Lamb, 158 yards, two touchdowns, 41-point fantasy performance. Absolute dog, my goodness. Brandon Cooks caught tutty. Jake Ferguson caught a tutty. Everyone was getting tutties. Rams, man, I don't know what to say about Matt Stafford, if I'm being honest. One touchdown, one interception. Brett Reipian even came in. Didn't really do much. Royce Feeben scored a touchdown on one of his nine carries for 44 yards. And uh, Daryl Henderson actually was the leading wide receiver with three catches for 54 yards. Puka, three catches, 43 yards. And Cooper Cup, four catches, 21 yards, doing nothing. Don't even know what to say about this Rams team. Cowboys looked unstoppable here. The Cowboys either look unstoppable or just atrocious. There's no in between. Cowboys are 5-2, and two, second in the NFC East. Little two-game win streak. This team is plus 77 point differential, only giving up 120 points on the year. This is one of the top defenses in the league. As for the Rams, they're now third in the NFC West, 3-5, and two-game losing streak, minus nine-point differential. We'll see what next week holds as the um, Rams will take on the Packers, as I just mentioned. Should The Rams should win that. They'll be in Green Bay. They should win that. That's right, Cowboys, an absolute barn burner. Against the Eagles, I don't know. if Do I want to pick a Cowboys upset? It's tough to say. This Eagles team just looks so good. Um... And, but, you know, this, this Cowboys team, it's too hard to predict, really. Eagles will be at home. We're probably going to go with the Eagles at the moment, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what else occurs. Keeping us rolling, the Jets and Giants to, uh, to the Battle of New York ends in overtime with the Jets winning 13-10. to 10. An atrocious game, honestly, offensively. Jets are now 4-3, and three, Giants 2-6. and six. I mean, Tyrod Taylor went down. Tommy DeVito came in. But this is literally, I, I'm not even making this up. The Giants had eight, no, seven yards passing the whole game. I'm not even joking. Seven yards passing the whole game. They ran. This was a running game. Saquon, 128 yards. Tyrod, 33 yards. Wayne Dell Robinson rushed for 17 yards. Tommy DeVito, QB, four rushes, 12 yards, only touchdown of the game. Receiving, Darren Waller, one catch, four yards. He got injured. Matt Breida, one catch, four yards. It, this is the worst offense in the league. <laughs> it's up there. It's so bad. Jets, I mean, Zach Wilson threw for 204 yards and a touchdown. Not too bad. He was also the leading rusher. Brees Hall held only 17. Dalvin Cook only five on his two carries. But Garen Wilson gets it done. Seven catches, 100 yards. And Brees Hall, six catches, 76 yards and a touchdown. Doing his thing. Only four Jets players got a pass, though. Ellen Lazard had three. CJ Uzama had one. Came down to OT. The Jets prevailed. Good for them. Not good for the uh, fans. The best part of the game was the ending. Just because of how bad both these teams were. It's kind of comical, but at the same time, I want to see high performances from them. Giants are 2-6. and six. Ugh, Only 95 points scored. This is actually the worst offense. I, I, I'm being dead serious, actually. 
that every other team has scored 100 points except for the Giants at 95. Wow, something's got to change. Jets 4-3, and three, third in the AFC East, three-game win streak. Wow, incredible. Still have a minus three-point differential, though, so there's that, unfortunately. Jets will play the Chargers on Monday night. I'm probably going with the Chargers in that one. And as for the Giants, they'll play the Raiders. I'm actually going to pick the Giants in that one. Giants should probably win that one. Raiders suck. All right, keeping us rolling, trying to get through all these games. Wow, full week this week. Let's probably try and speed it up. We have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games left. Okay, Seahawks beat the Browns. Seahawks are now five and two. Browns are four and three. Good win for the Seahawks. Always happy to see them performing well. I mean, um, let me just uh, touch on it real quick. Geno throws for 254 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Not much in the running department. Tyler Lockett, eight catches, eight wing yards. That touchdown was the guy. Jackson Smith and the Jigga, um, three catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown. DK Metcalf, five catches, 67 yards. Browns team, P.J. Walker throwing his first touchdown pass of the season. 248 yards, one touchdown through two more picks. Kareem Hunt punched in a touchdown. David Njoku, Kyle Tutty, and Amari Cooper, six catches, 89 yards, led the day for this Browns team. But the Seahawks prevail. Good win for them. They're now atop their uh, division. Um, Browns four and three, I should say. Uh, AFC North third, but Seahawks, yeah. Looking good. They're now um, ahead of the 49ers, five and two, two-game win streak, plus uh, 30. Point differential. Good win for the Seahawks. They will take on the Ravens next week. Should be an interesting matchup there. Probably going with the Ravens. Probably leaning towards the Ravens. As for the Browns, they will take on... Who are the Browns playing? We already talked about them. They play the Cardinals. So yeah, we're picking the Browns without a doubt. Keeping these games rolling along, we also had... which one? Which one should we talk about right now? Broncos beating the Chiefs 24-9. Insane upset. Broncos are now 3-5. and five. Chiefs are 6-2. and two. This was the upset of the week. No one had this. This just didn't even make sense. First off, it just did not make any sense. Russell Wilson, 114 yards for three touchdowns. Crazy stat line there. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Javante Williams all catching touchdowns. But it's the Chief. Mahomes, 241 yards, two interceptions. Not doing anything. Leading rusher Isaiah Pacheco, 40 yards. Nothing going on. Travis Kelsey, six catches, 58 yards, led the day. Embarrassing stuff for this Chiefs team, getting humbled, but uh, good for the Broncos, man, getting it done. Broncos were going to buy next week. Chiefs will look to rebound against the Dolphins. We'll see if they can do it. I don't know if they're going to be able to, but I'm probably going to ride with them. Bengals beat the 49ers 31-17, now. Um, a little win streak for them. 49ers are now 5-3. Just atrocious, just atrocious performances from uh, the 49ers. They have just a complete collapse offensively. Brock Purdy, 365 yards, a touchdown, two picks. Uh, George Kittle, 149 yards. Brian Ayuk, 109 yards. Chris McCaffrey goes off as always. Six catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, 54 yards rushing for a touchdown. There's uh, um, 17 straight games now. He scored a touchdown. Incredible. But it's the Bengals, man, 283 yards from Joe uh, Shasty for three tutties. Jamar caught a tutty. Tyler Boyd did. Andre Izovis, one catch for a tutty. And uh, T. Higgins, five catches, 69 yards, looking to bounce back. Joe Mixon, 87 yards, a touchdown, doing his thing. Happy that he was able to finally have a good week. My goodness, 49ers, thank goodness, get a bye. Can reassess their team. Bengals will be playing the Bills on Monday or Sunday night football. 
I will be probably riding with the Bills in that one. But yeah, good stuff from the Bengals this week. Happy for you. Rounding out our 315-330 games, the Ravens beat the Cardinals 31-24. to They collapse, though. They collapse, though, at the end. Lose me my fantasy matchups, why don't your Ravens defense? Gosh darn it. Pissing me off. Let me read you my uh, new QB stat line. Joshua Dobbs, 25 for 37, 208 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. I don't like the two picks. Josh Dobbs even ran in and touchdown. Uh, Trey McBride, 10 catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. That uh, tight end stock is going to rise. Marquise Brown even got a touchdown on one of his six catches. Good stuff for him. And Emory DeMarcado rushed for 78 yards. Good for him. Ravens, though, Lamar, 157 yards, a touchdown. Looked all right. Gus Edwards, though, 80 yards, three touchdowns. Incredible stuff from him but yeah not really much to say there a sloppy win for the Ravens as always we'll see how they do uh next weekend when they t- host the Seahawks it'll be interesting to see how they do as for their uh, opponent the uh Cardinals they will be doing battle with the I just said I've been saying all their names so I easily lose them they'll be visiting the Browns all right losing Joshua Dubs I have no idea how that's gonna go Sunday Night Football, the Bears lose to the Chargers 30-13 to as the Chargers actually looked in pretty good form. Actually, if you're a Chargers fan, this is a good game to go back and watch the highlights of as you'll uh, reminisce of how good your uh, team can be. Chargers, I mean, Justin Herbert, 298 yards, three touchdowns, was slanging Austin Eckler, caught a tutty, Donald Parham Jr. caught a tutty, and Sami Fahoko, no idea who you are, you caught a tutty. Keenan Allen, eight catches, 69 yards, Nothing in the rushing department. Uh, nothing really much. Meckler, but good win overall for the boys. Tyson Baggett, uh, pitiful performance. 232 yards, two picks. Not doing much. Darrington Evans and uh, actually Tyson himself ran in. Touchdowns. Cole Komet led the day. 10 catches, 79 yards. Wowza. No, no idea what's really going on in Chicago, but as for uh, the Chargers, all right, second now in the AFC West, 3-4, and four, coming off a win. Plus six point differential. Good luck to you guys in the future. NFC, though, we'll talk about the uh, Bears real quick. Two and six. They are, wow, 171 points for 218 against. No idea what to expect from this Bears team. But uh, the Chargers, they will be taking on the, um, my goodness, I can never find it. Chargers will be taking on the Jets on Monday Night Football. Winnable game for them. The Bears will be, are they on a bye? Nope, the Bears are not on a bye. They will go to the Saints. I doubt they will do well there. And let's touch on the Monday Night Football game, which I did not watch. I don't think I missed anything. My boy Sam Laporta popping off, rookie tight end. Lions win 26-14. to 14. They're now 6-2 uh, and two atop the NFC North. Good stuff for them on a bye next week. Always, always love to see them. Um, you know, I, I got some, uh, one of my buddies, a Lions hater. I don't really hate the Lions. You know, this is kind of their year. Jared Goff, 272 yards, touchdown and a pick. Jameer Gibbs, 152 yards rushing it. Tutty, insane. Monroe St. Brown having another 108-yard game. And uh, Sam Laporta, eight catches, 57 yards, a touchdown, as I mentioned. I love him. As for the Raiders, my goodness, this team sucks. Three and five now. Jimmy Garoppolo, 126 yards and an interception. The only good thing about this team was Josh Jacobs, 61 yards and a touchdown. But, I mean, Devontae Adams, one catch for 11 yards. That's all he had the whole game. That defense looked bad. The offense looked bad. I, I have nothing to say about this Raiders team. It's atrocious. It is atrocious. Lions now 6-2, and two, as I mentioned. But Raiders, just my goodness. Third in the AFC West. Probably going to get passed by the Broncos this week. I mean, just 
minus 61 point differential. All right, Raiders, they'll play the Giants. Probably going to lose that game. Just just abysmal, just abysmal. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that was week A of the NFL. A lot to cover. My goodness, that was a long segment, if I say so myself. I'm all, I'm all uh, what's it called? I'm all uh, footballed out at the moment. I'm glad I get a little break Wednesday. I'll be sprinting to the waiver wires, though. I mean, I'm trying to grab Will Levis. I'm trying to grab, uh, what's his face, Trey McBride. I mean, there's a lot of good players out there. I'm trying to snatch. I'll see if I get them. But uh, going to need some big games this week from some of the fellas. Uh, I do hate that basically you can't really do anything on Tuesday, like when you go to the waiver wire, because you don't know who else is going to go for a player you want. But hey, that's fancy football. We'll be doing another fancy football check in a couple weeks here. I always love talking about that. But yes, that's all I got for the uh, NFL. One more uh, quick shout out to Hoist. You know, uh, if I if I ever get sponsored by them, I'll be doing like credits. We'll start off the show with a Hoist sponsorship, mid mid credit and an end credit for Hoist. But um, I got one more segment left for us about some UFC matchups I want to see to end the year. But um, we're gonna take a quick intermission. Obviously, for the listeners, no intermission at all. I'll be back with a Thanos snap of my fingers. And just like that, we are all done with the episode just about. You thought we were going to end this Halloween special with anything but some cool UFC stuff. That is right. Uh, Obviously, there was the surprise jab podcast, Jab Representing Fighting. So uh, we're going to be going over the rankings real quick here. For the uh, UFC, and I'm going to pick up one, pick out one matchup from every division I want to see happen in 2024. Obviously, after that, we'll uh, I should maybe go over some fun Halloween facts or something. I don't know. We'll probably just end it there. But um, yes, let's kick things off with the women's bantamweight division, one of the least exciting divisions in the UFC. We don't have a champion right now. You know, Amanda Nunes vacated the belt earlier this year, earlier in the summer. So without a champion, the one matchup I want to see is number one, Julia Pena versus number two, Hawkwell Pennington for the vacant women's championship. I mean, you can put this on a fight night. You can put this as the co-main or even the third fight on any pay-per-view and it should be good. But Julia Pena hasn't fought in since 2022, I'm pretty sure it's been a while. As for Hawkwell Pennington, picking up a big win over Ketlin Vieira earlier this year. Want to see those two fight for the vacant belts. And uh, certainly would be a very good matchup. I mean, number three, Myra Bueno-Silva just had her win over Holly Holmes turned to a no contest after she tested positive for drugs. I don't know what drug it was, but certainly not good. Women's bandweight in desperate need of some new fighters, but we got the OG Julia Pena and Hawkeye Penton. Let's have them fight for that vacant belt. How about that? That could be a fun matchup to uh, kick off the new year. I think it would. I really think it would. Heading into women's flyweight, obviously the champion Alexa Grasso has a, um, a matchup probably with Valentina Shevchenko. They're probably going to run a trilogy at some point in 2024. Honestly, I'm a huge fan of Alexa Grasso now. As for uh, Valentina, you know, I've, her, her hype has kind of gone down. But we're not going to look at them, actually. We're going to look at number two, Aaron Blanchfield, and number three, Manon Fiorat. Aaron, of course, a very good up-and-coming fighter. Undefeated in the octagon so far. As for number three, Manon Fiorat, she's from Paris, France. She's also undefeated in the UFC. They each, I believe, have one loss to their professional record. I mean, they are very talented. Really interested to see what they bring to the table next. 
as well. Number eight, Macy Barber. Want to see her climb the rankings? Maybe take on someone like number seven, Lauren Murphy. Number four, Talia Santos. Excited to see fighters like that. By the way, there's some women you need to keep your eyes on. I mean, Kareen Silva, number 14. Natalie Silva, number 12. Tracy Cortez, number 11. All three of those women should be getting top 10 fights to go into the next year. I mean, you have number five, Caitlin Chukagin, number six, Jessica Andrade, number seven, Lauren Murphy, as I just mentioned, on their way out of the division. It's probably time we get some new blood in there, and I think those women could all uh, offer good challenges. But yeah, number two and number three, Aaron Blanchfield, man, if you were at, slap it on a fight night main event, that's one woman fight I would actually be interested in. Not to sound, sound sexist, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Head to women's strawweight. A couple of good fighters to uh, keep your names out for. Uh, keep your names out for your ears open for. Number eight, Marina Rodriguez having a career revival after a huge win over Michelle Warson Gomez. She should be looking up in the rankings. Number seven, Mackenzie Dern obviously has a big fight with number five, Jessica Andrade. And uh, Zhang Weili, though, is the fight that I'm looking at. Zhang Weili versus number two, Jean Jayonin, or number three, Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana Suarez, undefeated professionally, undefeated in the UFC on an incredible run since returning this year. Really interested to see who she gets matchmaked with uh, next. But yeah, number two, Yan Chaonin. She's Chinese. Number, the champion, Zhang Weili, Chinese. I mean, we could easily throw that on the China card. It's a shame we're probably not going to be able to. Obviously, they go to Shanghai, China, uh, December 9th. But um, yeah, really hope that that fight could be made. Uh, would be one of the bigger women's fights we've had in a while. But um, as for double champ status... I mean, honestly, I don't really see any woman becoming double champ right now like Amanda Nunes did. Um, but certainly certainly a lot of big women's fights to be making. Uh, no real up-and-comers. I mean, num maybe number 13, Lupi Godinez is good. But uh, there's a lot of good unranked fighters that are slowly on the come-up. We'll see what happens with them. Let's uh, let's kick off um, our uh, stuff here. We'll go, we'll go from heavy to light as we'll start off with heavyweight. Obviously, John Jones, the champion, having to pull out of UFC 295, unfortunately. Very sad. I really hate to see that. But uh, I'm getting so many good matchups here. Number two, Sergey Pavlovich. Number four, Tom Aspel for the interim belt, as we talked about earlier, at UFC 295. I mean, that was a dream matchup from the beginning, and I just cannot wait for that fight to go down. Now, if we're looking at the heavyweight rankings, I mean, the bottom of it, no real heavy hitters, like, on the on the come up. I'd say number nine, Halton Almeida, you know, who's fighting this weekend. Hopefully, if Derek Lewis doesn't get his fight canceled, that could be um, a big fight one day if Halton Almeida fights for the belt. But I'm going to set my eyes on number one, Ciro Gan, right? The man who just TKO'd Sergey Spivak in Paris back in September. Okay, I'm going to say Ciro Gan. Versus this is going to catch, I think, some people off guard. Cyril Gaon against Curtis Blades. This will be an excellent grappling test for Cyril Gaon. Curtis Blades, of course, having to pull out of his Halton Almeida fight. He was supposed to fight this weekend in Brazil. Pulling out, I think this would be a good rebound fight for Curtis Blades and a good step up for Cyril Gaon, who's looking to rebuild a case for a championship fight. Personally, I feel Stipe versus Cyril Gaon would be the fight to make, but Stipe Miocic doesn't accept fights anymore, and he's about to go on his third year of inactivity. No idea how he's still in the UFC. He's a firefighter all the time. He's gonna he's gonna get himself killed. But yeah, other than that, no real top hitters. I mean, number twelve, Jarzino Rosenstruck, I think would be a great fight against number eight, Tai Tuivasa. But I don't know what's gonna happen with those two. We'll see. But heavyweight desperately in need of some new blood in the division. I'm sure it'll be coming up soon. Heading into light heavyweight, I mean, we have got so many heavy hitters at light heavyweight. Um, I'm, I'm really happy Khalil Roundtree Jr. is taking on Osmat Merzikhanov. 
Um, uh, I really hope they rebook number uh, number seven, Johnny Walker, and number two, Magomed Ankalaev. But what I'm looking at is number four, Jan Blachowicz, and number five, Alexander Rakic, both European fighters. One's from Poland. Rakic is from, oh my goodness, I cannot remember the country. I'm really struggling to think of it. Alexander Rakic, it's a European country. He is, um, oh my gosh, where is this boy from? Where is he from? I'm trying to think mentally where he's from. Blahovich and Rakic already fought back in 2022, but Rakic got injured in the third round. So I was hoping that they could run that fight back. I feel like that would be a super good matchup. And you could do this as a main event on a European card. So I think that would be an absolute banger of a fight. And um, come November 11th, we'll know who the champion is between Jerry Prochaska and Alex Pajera. And whenever Jamal Hill returns from his injury, I'm sure he'll be getting a title shot. But yeah, Blahovich rakic rematch, I'm here for it. And even if you do Sean Blahovich or Rakic versus the winner of Pajera and Prochaska, amazing fights there. Let me just be honest. Heading into middleweight, I mean, Israel Asanya looks like he's not even going to fight in 2024. So we obviously set our size on number two, set our sights on number two, Driscus Duplessis versus the champion, Sean Strickland. I think that should be his first title defense. Now, as we look at Hamza Chemaev, currently ranked number nine, big win over Kamaru Usman. I think a fight with Jared Cannonier is the fight to make. I really like that fight. If you can't beat Jared Cannonier, you're not going to beat Sean Strickland or Driscus Duplessis. You could even do Hamza Chmaya versus Robert Whitaker. I mean, I think Hamza's the man right now at the moment. They put him at nine in the middleweight rankings for a reason because they are surely going to have him fight one more time before he fights up. But a couple names of fighters you got to keep your ears on. Number 15, Anthony Hernandez. He's on a little four-fight win streak, I believe. Um, he's going to be fighting up soon. Certainly keep your eyes open for him. Number 12, Nazanin Imavov, French fighter. Very entertaining. Very much enjoy watching him. He failed his only loss in the UFC, or his last loss, I should say, was to Sean Strickland, who's currently the champ. So clearly he can hang with Sean Strickland. And um, as for number 10, Brendan Allen, and number 13, Paul Craig, the winner of that for their November 18th uh, main event at the UFC Apex. Coming up soon, actually. Wow, three weeks. That will be a big one to decide who moves up into the top 10 for fighting. Same goes for Paulo Costa. Will he ever fight again? Who will Marvin Vittori return against? A lot of questions. But my eyes are on who Hamza Chemaev fights next. And I'm going to go with Jared Kennanier and Robert Whitaker. I'm here for it. Check it out, Welterweight. I mean, Welterweight, so loaded. So many insane fighters. I mean, we'll go top to bottom. You got number 15, Renat Fakhradinov, in action this um, uh, Saturday. He's taking on Eliseu Dos Santos. Should be able to get past him or not. Only one loss in his whole career. He's like 21-1, and one, undefeated in the UFC, insane grappling. Love to see that. Number 12, Kevin Holland. Always a fan favorite. Always love seeing him fight. He's always down to make some good fights. Number 11, Jack Della Maddalena will be fighting up. Ian Machado Gary taking on uh, Wonderboy Thompson. Oh, no, Ian Machado Gary's taking on Vicente Luque. Shavkat Rachmanov, a future welterweight champion, is taking on Wonderboy Thompson at UFC 296. Shavkat is my pick for the next champion of the division. Kobe Covenant is, of course, taking on Leon Edwards, which leads me to wonder who Bilal Muhammad is fighting. They said they had something working for him. By the looks of it, they don't. I thought it was going to be Usman, but I guess not. Um, Bilal's currently ranked number two somehow. No idea what's going to be next. Um, but I'll see if I could go with one fight. I'd say number four, Gilbert Burns versus... Gosh, I don't even know what fight to pick. We need a lot of this stuff to get settled out. But I'm saying Shavkat Rachmanov versus 
Colby Covington could be an insane matchup. I would love to see that fight. And uh, I'm riding with Colby to beat Leon Edwards, by the way. I'm a Colby Covington fan, but and, uh, I'm not necessarily a Leon Edwards hater. But uh, I don't think I've ever picked him in his career. So there's that. But um, I'll say Shafkat Rachmanov versus Colby Covington in 2024. Should be a matchup we keep our eyes open for. Heading to lightweight, I mean, is Amakachev such a dominant champion? Will he take on Charles Oliveira next? Will he take on Justin Gaethje? My pick for who he fights next? Azamat. Nope. Armin Tazukrian. I was thinking, I was reading Azamat's name from a light heavyweight, but no, Armin Tazukrian. We already mentioned he's fighting Benil Dariush once he beats him, which I think he will. He'll move into the top five. And by the way, Armin, his career debut, he lost to... Islam Akhtar by decision in the fight of the night, one of the toughest fights of Islam's career, and I think Armin could be the one to dethrone him. Charles Oliveira could easily rematch Justin Gaethje. I think Dustin Poirier could fight someone like Matus Gamron. Who knows if Michael Chandler will ever fight Conor McGregor? I really hope they do next year, but we'll see. Some guys on the come up: number fifteen Drew Dober, number fourteen Matt Frivola, number thirteen Ronald Macano, Bobby Green. A lot of those guys will be taking on some uh, higher ranked opponents. Come uh, come later in the year. Obviously, Bobby Green taking on Dan Hooker. But uh, ten, number 10 ranked, Rafael Dos Anjos, get him out of the rankings. Number 11, Jalen Turner will be fighting down. Sadly, Rafael Fazeev, ranked number 7, won't even be fighting next year. He's injured. Um, but keep your eyes open for uh, Armin Tzukrian versus Islam Makhchev in 2024. That's a fight I want to see. And honestly, a fight I believe can happen and will happen. I'm, I'm a big Armin fan. Dropping down to La Featherweight. We're in Featherweight now. Volkanovski coming off a tough loss. Probably be taking on number five ranked Ia Topura next. A dream matchup there. I love to see it. But my big question is, who's number one ranked Max Holloway going to fight? Who's he going to fight? I honestly think him versus Justin Gaethje for the BMF belt is the fight to make. Very much would watch that fight. Um, some guys in the top ten. Number two, Yaya Rodriguez. Number three, Brian Ortega. Number four, Arnold Allen. They all need to fight down. They all need to fight down, okay? I'm looking at maybe Arnold Allen rematching Calvin Cater. I'm thinking the winner of Giga Chikadze versus Josh Emmett. You know, it should be Giga. He should fight up. Number nine, Mosvar Evlov. I'm matching up with Brian Ortega. And number 10, Bryce Mitchell. I'm throwing him against Aaron Rodriguez. Okay, these guys need to fight up. I mean, we just watched Sodik Yusuf get humbled. You know, Edson Barbosa stopped his tra- hype train. But we also have number 14, Leroy Murphy. He's undefeated British fighter. He could be fighting up soon. A lot of big fights, but I'm really keeping my eyes on number nine, Mosfar Evlov, who should be in UFC 5, might I add. The reason Mosfar Evlov isn't in the game, there, there's none. He really should be. Him versus number two, Brian, uh, number two, Yair Rodriguez, or number three, Brian Ortega, I think is a fight you have to make. He is so talented. Keep your uh, keep your eyes open for uh, Mosfar Evlov. Let's head down to Bantamweight, one of the most loaded, if not the most loaded, in the company. I mean, Sugar Sean O'Malley probably will be fighting. Marlon Vera in 2020, uh, 2024. Uh, we obviously, Marab and Henry Cejudo's going down. Aljamain Sterling, he might be t- rematching Corey Sanhagen or something. But let me tell you a matchup you got to keep your eyes open for. Umar Nurmagomedov is currently ranked number 12. Related to the Nurmagomedovs, of course. Khabib's cousin, I believe. He needs a fight with either number 7, Song Dong, number 5, Purion, number 4, Corey Sanhagen. He is a future champion. He is so talented. It's a shame his fights have been canceled. He was originally scheduled to fight Corey Sanhagen. I say you rebook that fight. Corey may be on a little win streak, but he's done nothing impressive in his three fights. And I really think that uh, Umar would give him a good test in the grappling department. 
So keep your uh, keep keep open for that. Umar Nurmagomedov on the come up. Number eleven, Jonathan Martinez working his way up the rankings. Number nine, Dominic Cruz. Can we get Dominic Cruz a fight? Okay, why is he even in the rankings? I mean, come on. Can Dominic Cruz fight someone like Chris Gutierrez, Said Nurmagomedov? We'll see. Flyweight, one of the most forgotten men's divisions in the company. You know, let me just say, we got number four, Brandon Royval, fighting uh, Alexander Pantoa for the belt in December. But my eyes are on number three, Amir Albazi, fighting for the belt, or fighting number one ranked Brandon Moreno. Love both those fighters. We'll see what comes of them. But one of my favorites, Manel Cape. Currently ranked number eight. I want him to fight up. Maybe he takes on Brandon Moreno, or maybe he takes on Kaikar France. Finally, I don't know, but I love him. And number ten ranked Mohamed Mokayev, the 22-year-old undefeated. I mean, this kid is so talented. He's a future champion. Get him a top six matchup with Matthias Nukalu. That's the fight I'm calling for. A couple other uh, fighters coming up. Steve Ersig looking good. Um, and Tatsuyu Taira, who fights, uh, we mentioned earlier, he has a fight booked for uh, the Shanghai event. Very much happy to see uh, how he does there. He should be in the rankings or be fighting up in the rankings soon. Tatsuyu is uh, one of my favorites. The men's pound-for-pound pound rankings, I mean, when we look at that, let's uh, we'll go top to bottom. Number 15, Jamal Hill recovering from an injury. He should be back next year. Number 14, Jerry Prochaska. He'll be fighting for the belt uh, November 11th. Number 13, Kamaru Usman just fought, expressed interest in staying at middleweight, 185, instead of dropping back down to 170. The former welterweight champion expressed interest in a matchup with Robert Whitaker. Give me that fight next year. Number 12, Max Holloway. Um, I doubt he stays at featherweight, honestly. There's not much left for him. Volk just lost. I, I really think Max Holloway should fight Justin Gaethje for the BMF belt. I think that's the move. Number 11, Aljamain Sterling. I mean, he's looking at fights downwards with Corey Sanagin, someone like Song Dong. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Sterling. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Number 10, Alex Barra fights for the uh, light heavyweight belt against number 14, Drew Prochaska, as I mentioned, at UFC 295 November 11th, so he's got a fight booked. Number 9, Alexander Pantoa, your flyweight champion. He's got a fight booked for December. Love to see it. Number 8, Israel Adesanya will probably continue to drop. He is 1-2 in two his last three fights and uh, won't be fighting for a while, so he'll continue to drop. But number 7, Sean Strickland, uh, he's got big fights ahead of him against Driscus Duplessis, maybe Jared Cannonier, Hamzat Chemaev. Lots of stuff for your new middleweight champion. Number six, Sean O'Malley. It's looking like he's either going to take on the winner of Marab and Henry Cejudo or a rematch with Marlon Vera. I'm leaning more towards that Marlon Vera rematch, but uh, your number six pound-for-pound fighter should be in action early 2024. Number five, Charles Oliveira. I mean, dude's an absolute killer. I think he should be fighting someone like, uh, I'll say give him the title shot. Give him Islam Makachev, honestly. Let's do it. Number four, Leon Edwards takes on Colby Covington in December for the welterweight championship. Number three, Volkanovski just lost, probably fighting number five ranked Ito Piero to defend his featherweight belt at UFC 297 in Toronto, Canada in January. Number two is on Magchev. Like I said, so many options. He could fight Gaethje. He could fight Oliveira. He could go up and fight the winner of Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. Who knows? And your number one pound-for-pound pound fighter, John Jones, should be back in 2024 to fight Stipe or the winner of Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. That's that's everything. That's that's all the fights I want to see, the fights that are going to take place, that I think should take place. 2024 is going to be a good year. 2023 still wrapping up, still coming to an end. We got some big ones, you know. Almeida and Lewis hopefully go down this weekend, you know, hopefully if Derek Lewis doesn't go to jail. Prochaska and Pera is a huge one at light heavyweight, a dream matchup there. Uh, Brendan Allen and Paul Craig will be an interesting one to see who moves into the top 10 of the middleweight division. Benil Dariush and Armin Tsukrian, 
potentially a change in the guard, or maybe we see a gatekeeper role come out of Benil Dariush at lightweight, and uh, no idea for the Shanghai event, and we cap off the year at UFC 296 with one of the most loaded cards of the year. Let me just remind you of this card. Leon Edwards, Colby Covington for the welterweight championship. Alexander Pantoa versus Brandon Royval for the flyweight championship. Tony Ferguson's potential last fight in the UFC against the unbelievably hyped Patty Pimblett coming off a terrible performance last December. It's crazy. That was a year ago. Shafkar Rachmanov and Wonderboy Thompson, Stephen Thompson, a top 10 welterweight matchup. Another top 10 welterweight matchup between Vicente Luque and Ian Gary. Ian Gary and Shafkar, two undefeated prospects. Love them. Josh Emmett and Giga Chikadze have a top 10 featherweight matchup. Alonzo Menfield and Dustin Jacoby, how about you give me a top 15 light heavyweight matchup and a top 15 debut for Shamil Gazioff against number 15 ranked Martin Boudet. You even get top 10 women's bantamweight, Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa matchup. I mean, this card goes on and on. You even get Cody Garbrandt against Brian Kelher. Probably going to end the year with one of the best pay-per-views of the year. And that caps off. Our Halloween special, that's right, I'm dressed up as Anakin Skywalker, but I ain't no episode 3 Anakin, I'm that episode 2 Anakin, Attack of the Clones, I'm ch Attack of the Clones, I'm chilling with Padme, and I'm wrapping up this uh, episode just like that. Everyone, have a safe Halloween, if you listen to this Wednesday, which you probably will, I hope you had a good Halloween, and um, yeah, if uh, I'm just getting this, my favorite Halloween candy is Milky Ways. Whenever I saw Milky Way, or even a Hershey's, Hershey's Kiss, Hershey's Bar, in my uh, in my uh, trick-or-treating bag, I knew it was going to be a good night. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Surprise Jab Podcast, and I hope you had fun on this spooky Halloween special.